Welcome back to your home inspector training. I'm Garth Haslam, the home medic. Uh, this segment, we are going to be talking about um, smoke alarms. Now, this um, I just recorded the segment on kitchen appliances, and to some extent, yeah, I, you, a lot of this sort of thing that you're going to be inspecting uh, appears on the surface to be kind of brain damage easy. But there is information you are going to want to have so that you can pass that along to the client that is not quite so brain damage easy. Um, the uh, In this segment, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the difference in requirements between newer and older homes. And, of course, you get to uh, understand that... Older homes can mean anything. It can mean 1940. It can mean 1980. It could mean 2000. Um, whatever the case is, you're going to have to use some judgment because um, there were building standards that applied in uh, all of those years, and um, it is unreasonable to expect that all homes that you inspect be up to brand new standards. On the other hand, it is also reasonable to um, to make it very clear to the client how they can make their home uh, be up to speed and safe to the extent possible, regardless of what year of home they're buying. So now in the in the older homes, let's say that we're doing an inspection and maybe the home was built in 1920. Quite often, it's a surprise to see any sort of smoke alarm at all. Maybe you'll see one in the main living area, or maybe you'll see nothing at all. In that case, you know, while that might have been okay in 1920, I am never okay with that because it's, um, you know, it, if it's unsafe, it's unsafe. And uh, that's the way I will write that up. Mostly as a, uh, not necessarily as a deficiency in building standards per se, but just to make it very clear that uh, the homeowner could be doing a lot more to improve the safety of the home for their family. Now, we'll begin by explaining there's a, cup, there's a couple of different kinds, and the primary two kinds of smoke alarms are the ionization and the photoelectric detectors. The ionization are the ones that are most often found at hardware stores. These are the ones where smoke goes into the chamber and the flow is interrupted. You actually have a, a, a small, very small amount of radioactivity that uh, is trying to flow from point A to point B in there. If you have smoke in that chamber, uh, it interrupts the flow, and then the um, the detector itself knows that we have more than just air that is flowing through that chamber. At that point, it goes off. The ionization detectors are better for flames. They're not as good for smoldering fires. And that's an, a key point that you're probably going to want to put in, the, in a part of your brain that you can restore at some point because, um, for example, if if there is maybe a... Uh, smoke alarm near a freestanding stove or a gas sort of a unit that's used to maybe heat uh, maybe a bedroom or a family room type space versus maybe uh, maybe you've got uh, the the furnace or whatever you're going to want to be able to identify which one goes better in in which location. Now, the other kind of smoke alarm is going to be your photoelectric. 
Uh, it uses light sensitivity. And at first you'd think that photoelectric is just going to uh, have, again, it's going to have, or what you'd expect it to have would be just a light shining from point A to point B. And that when smoke goes through that, it uh, diminishes the light. But that's not actually how it works. You have um, the light source and the light receptor that are actually at angles to each other. Uh, it's kind of like an intersecting hallway. It's a 90-degree angle. So what happens is when you have smoke that goes through um, that pathway there, the smoke itself reflects light onto the receptor, and then the receptor knows that we've got a problem. It goes off, and again, the, the home gets notified notified that there's a, uh, a smoke problem. The, uh, so the smoke reflects the beam of light onto another onto the sensor. This is better for smoldering fires. Maybe we have, and um, you know, I don't know what your background and your stories are, but I, I have a story of my own where we actually had an open flame source, and I was building a home, so we were uh, uh, bunked in with my in-laws for a little while. And my daughter, who was about seven at the time, she decided to dry one of my T-shirts by placing it on this open flame space heater. Now, for an adults, for adults, uh, an open flame space heater may be okay, but for a seven-year-old, it's not. Um, so what she did, she threw one of my T-shirts on there. It started to not only dry but burn, and uh, then she ran out of the house, thinking the whole house was burning down. Probably a good idea. My wife at the time grabbed the T-shirt. And now it burned her hand, so she threw it on the on the carpet, which was directly beneath, and now the carpet's burning. If you've got that sort of a scenario, a photoelectric cell's going to do better for you because carpet doesn't necessarily raging burn so much as it smolders. Um, so if you've got the photoelectric cell, um, that might be the better choice. Okay, let's talk about where to expect those items. Now, again, in the old 1920s home, you may not have anything, but um, if you, well, basically what you do is you tell the client, look, you know, uh, the home was built in 1920, 1960, whatever, and that's great, but it would be a very good idea to get your smoke alarms up to current code as much as possible. Now, current, I shouldn't say code, I should say building standards, um, Current building standards, and uh, they may change between the time that I record this and whenever you're listening, but basically it, uh, right now the building standards call for one in each bedroom, one in the hallway area outside the bedroom areas, and at least one on every major level. So that's where to put those. You are also going to see as the home inspector where sometimes um, a homeowner will place the smoke alarm pretty much in a dead corner. Now, dead corners can be a lot of places. Uh, one of those would be the basically any corner where you've got the intersection of the wall and the ceiling. If you can imagine a smoke plume rising, um, it's going to fill that top corner of the ceiling last. So you want to have that smoke alarm at least 12 inches away. I'm going to say, you know, further than that, 18, maybe even 24 inches so that um, you can get that 
air circulation that's happening in a fire to hit that smoke alarm more rapidly. Now, again, we uh, we talked about one in each bedroom. You want to have one on the basement ceiling if that's, uh, I mentioned every major level. Even if the basement's unfinished, you're going to want to have one there. Now, as I was doing the research, it also called for a smoke alarm in the garage. And I personally, doing my home inspections, have never seen a smoke alarm in the garage. But um, there are some advantages to that. Obviously, if there is a fire in the garage, and that's where most of them start, uh, and the the garage alarm goes off, and if you have interconnected alarms, uh, that could be an awesome way to, to get prior warning before the fire actually starts happening inside the house. So, uh, again, as the home inspector, you are not a code inspector and, and you can speak to these people in their best interest, not necessarily as a, as a code inspector. Okay, let's cover another area, and that would be where not to have smoke alarms. Um, you can imagine the places where, where smoke alarms would be Super annoying. We've all dealt with, you know, the smoke alarms going off in the kitchen when we cook bacon, especially the way I cook it. Um, Also, if you've got a smoke alarm that's above a heat vent, for example, uh, that's going to be causing a level of dust that can sometimes set off a uh, smoke detector and be annoying, and then the homeowner will disconnect that. Um, One of the important parts that you might want to just mention to your client is that often a smoke detector will have a uh, button where you can uh, turn the alarm off without actually disabling, turn the sound off without disabling the alarm. Um, Kitchen appliances, again, if you've got a high humidity generator like a shower or a tub, those can often set off a smoke detector. Uh, or if you got dead air spots, and um, sometimes that's going to be maybe the crest of a roof, depending on how the the ceiling is designed. Not crest of the roof, crest of the ceiling. Uh, depending on how it's designed, you can have air. Uh, the, you can have spots where air is just not going to go. And of course, in that particular case, it doesn't make sense. In my case, for example, uh, my bathroom has a door that uh, goes to the toilet. So uh, if that door is closed, there will be no airflow into that space. So it wouldn't make any sense to put a smoke detector in there. And for a person to think that they're protected when you have a smoke detector in a space like that, uh, they're wrong. And so that becomes part of your job. Part of the value that you create is to point out that that, uh, a smoke detector placed in a location like that just isn't going to do any good. Now, another one of the key items that you're going to want to look for, and uh, to some extent it may not be inspectable, but smoke alarms are going to be either battery or hardwire. Usually it's not just hardwire. Usually it's going to be battery or a combination of battery and hardwire. Obviously, the hardwire adds a lot of value because if you've got the entire house that is uh, wired together, then then an alarm that goes off in the kitchen is going to let everybody know, and that of course is what everybody wants. 
at the same time, it's unreasonable to expect, again, that 1960 home. Uh, it's just good to have smoke alarms in the house. There is no way at this point to actually hardwire in behind the sheetrock or the lath and plaster or whatever there may be. Uh, that's just unreasonable. So um, in those sorts of homes, you pretty much get what you can get. You'll want to recommend that they add smoke alarms uh, as I mentioned earlier, in each of the bedrooms and the hallway outside the bedroom areas, and at least one on each major level. Um, that is more than they probably have, and it will provide an additional level of protection. doesn't bring it to current code standards, but there is no requirement that it do so. You'll want to mention to the uh, the client that a hardwire is an option. Now, as uh, technology moves forward, they are actually doing smoke alarms that are uh, that don't have to be hardwired and still communicate with each other. Uh, those are awesome, and um, you know, the more that time goes by, the more you can recommend that those be installed. Then we don't have to worry about the hardwire requirement want to mention that to your clients just to make sure they have that on their radar and they're aware of it as well okay um so inspection points you know at first thought it might uh somebody might think that an inspector simply needs to push the button on one or a representative number of the smoke detectors to make sure that they work but it does go further than that um, you do need to have some background and the understanding that i've provided you and, of course, and as always, you need to gather your own experience based on what's going on in your area. Maybe you're inspecting in a um, forest sort of environment um, where there's a much larger risk of forest fires and uh, those sorts of issues. In that particular case, you, uh, you need to know what specialty requirements there may be. For example, clearance as relates to distance between particular kinds of trees and the structure or maybe you're out in the middle of a desert where only the sand will burn and sand doesn't burn so um, this again is a kindergarten level education for you make sure you do your own homework as always take care of your clients respect them serve them well go out there make me proud